inwardly digest the scriptures. Ew. I mean, I don't know about you, but I don't exactly want to rip out pages of my Bible and start eating them. But that's, that's not exactly what that collect is asking us to do. It's really asking us to not just read and not just learn, but really absorb them and make them part of our life. And sometimes that's hard to do. Jesus this morning is talking about stones come tumbling down. And I confess, as I'm reading this passage, to me, I just keep thinking about this game. And probably many of you have played it. Uh, Jenga. And, you know, I think small. And I think I'm stuck thinking small because we're looking back in time and history. And of course the temple's going to come crumbling down. It happened in 70 AD. We, we know that. And if you didn't know that, you know it now. But, you know, when we're looking at the past, it's easier to just think little and not realize the big significance that this had. And so I want to invite you to ask the question when you're reading scripture of, of what is happening here? What is going on? And this morning we heard from Daniel, and it's 587 years or so before Christ. And Daniel is writing a letter to his people who have been taken out of their homeland. They've been ripped out of Israel. They've been taken to the land of Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they have seen the very center and foundation of their relationship with God destroyed. The temple that Solomon built is gone. And so Daniel is writing this prophetic letter to the faithful people, and naturally he's ending this letter. He's culminating with the plan to rebuild the temple. Except that's not what we heard. Although Daniel does indeed discuss the plan for rebuilding the temple, the culmination of the prophet Daniel is not the temple. It's the resurrection. Our lector read, Many of those who sleep in the dust shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky and those who lead many to righteousness like stars forever. So upon their return from exile, these Jews are returning to rebuild the temple and it happens in fits and starts over many years. And several hundred years later, under King Herod, what was just a modest reconstruction project is built bigger, stronger. They, King Herod expands the temple courts and he makes it a glorious mimic of what once was under King Solomon. This is what the Pharisees are referencing when they say that to Jesus, the temple has been under construction for 46 years because for 46 years, King Herod has been renovating the temple. And this is the landscape in which we're entering into the gospel today. Jesus so far in Mark has been baptized. He's gathered his followers, his disciples. He's taught, he's healed, he's forgiven sins, he's fed 5,000, he's walked on water. And all of this has led up to a frenzy. So when Jesus enters Jerusalem, it's a triumphant entry where people are shouting Hosanna and throwing their cloaks down and welcoming the king. 
the new king. Not King Herod, who is just rebuilding the temple, but they think Jesus is going to be the king that throws off Roman rule and restores Jews to their place of power and prominence in the world. Except when Jesus gets to Jerusalem, he doesn't march on the halls of government. He doesn't ascend the throne. Instead, he goes to the temple. Now, he enters the temple that was was built to atone for people's sins with sacrifice. And he enters into the temple that was meant to get people back into right relationship with God and their neighbor. He enters the temple where the glory of the Lord is supposed to dwell as a testimony to the nations. And he clears it. He turns over the furniture and he yells at the money changers and the hypocrites. And then he goes away and he comes back to the temple the next day and he's tested and he teaches and he tells the unfaithful tenants of a vineyard and he witnesses the corruption of what was supposed to be a place of deliverance. And it's here, right here, that we meet Jesus today as he is leaving the temple for the last time. The glory of the Lord, the Son of Man, God with us, leaves the temple. And the disciples are so thick-headed, they miss it and what it means. Because they're too busy rubbernecked going, wow, this is cool. Look at these big stones, these big buildings, Jesus. Isn't it amazing? What magnificent buildings. And Jesus says, oh yeah? Let me teach you about what happens to the institutions of man that oppress people and defy God. Not one stone will stand. Now, Jesus' words take over 70 years to come true, but in 70 AD, the temple falls, and it's never rebuilt. Nations and kingdoms will rise and fall. Creation itself will revolt in earthquake and famine, but this is just the beginning The birth pangs, the Braxton Hicks, if you will, that tell you the real thing is on the way. So get ready. And this, this is the good news for today. Fallen and broken rubble. What does it mean? It means that there are no shortcuts to the kingdom come. Human institutions will let us down. No matter what church you go to, no matter who you vote for, and no matter how obediently you follow God or not, the kingdom come promises of no more sorrow, no more pain, and a new Jerusalem with streets paved with gold. None of that happens without Jesus. It's not happening until he comes back. So how are we to respond to the rubble in the meantime? 
Well, there's two temptations, and the first is to frantically pick up the pieces of our broken institutions to attempt to pile them back into some sense of order, but no matter how hard we try, they just keep crumbling down, and we can't do it, but we keep trying because we don't know what life would look like without these institutions. They're our only hope for society, right? And so we keep working, and we never realize maybe we should look at why they're crumbling in the first place. Maybe we need to begin looking at who the institutions are oppressing, who is being hurt, why are they failing, rather than just stop and rebuild. Now, the second temptation is a little bit different. It's one that invites us to stand off to the side and gleefully watch society fall apart and say, well, I never liked that anyway. Sit back, watch it fall, let it burn. Some of us even dig into the melee trying to pull things apart, not realizing that as we do, we're crushing people who are left behind in the brokenness. So while we wait for Jesus to come back and set it all right, is there a more faithful option than just patching society back together or gleefully watching it fall apart? I think there is. The late great comic writer, Jewish man by the name of Stan Lee, in an interview stated, sometimes at night when I am sitting here and I'm thinking, what is it all about? And then I get a letter from a fan or I read something and I remember something and I realize it's so lucky to have fans, fans that care about you. What if we took a page from Marvel and what if in the face of the wreckage of broken partisan politics, what if in the wreckage of human trafficking, what if in the despair of global-scale poverty and oppression, what if Christians became known as fans of creation? Not just creation as it is, but creation as it was in the beginning when God intended all things for good. And what if with an eye on the prize, with Jesus coming back and setting all things right, we worked for the good of creation? What if when institutions fail and fall, we go on a search and rescue mission? We go looking for those who are lost in the rubble that was meant to serve and protect them. What if we proactively sought to be like an avenger? catching rubble and redirecting it away from the vulnerable. We know that we're not going to stop all crime, war, disease, or poverty. But what if we kept trying anyway? What if while we're waiting for Jesus to come back, we actually became known as the people who care about you? This is what the Messiah family at its best is all about. And hopefully that's a message that gets you fired up to love people and serve the Lord. So what comes next? Are you willing to look at your life, your work, your finances, your relationships, 
and ask in a prayerful conversation with God, where are my temples? What are my idols? What institutions and relationships am I so busy maintaining that I'm missing what you're doing, God? You see, humans are constantly tempted to maintain and glorify and expand ourselves and our idols. But we miss that the creator and the savior of the world created all things for good to glorify his name and to draw us into relationship with God. So if you can't find Jesus in the midst of this world, well, perhaps he's left your building. And I want to invite you to be where he's at. As you come to communion this morning, I want you to realize that all of human history since the fall has been pointed to a resurrection. That long ago Easter Sunday opened a way to eternal life. But Jesus was just the first fruit of the resurrection. The fullness is yet to come, as was promised in the prophet Daniel. Those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who lead many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. In our fallen and broken world, when the walls of society seem like they're crumbling down, you can find hope, the perfect hope that casts out fear. Jesus loves you, and you can go and you can rescue people from the broken world that tells them they are worthless and tell them that they are bought with a high price. You can go and love people like Jesus, because there is plenty of work to do until he comes back.